She's the biggest name of our generation, a name synonymous with talent, power and headlines. Taylor Swift is celebrity. So let's walk through everything that's happened since we last covered her life. Welcome to Scandal from Shameless Podcast, the stories of the biggest celebrity controversies revisited. Part five, baby. Wow. It's safe to say we've never been here before. We have never been here before, but boy, are we delighted to be here now. Zara McDonald, what did we cover in the last episode about Taylor Swift's life? All right. So we covered Midnight's. The album was announced in August 2022. It was her first sort of autobiographical album Mm. in a long time. Her words, not mine. And it proved to be a massive commercial success. I mean, she announced the Eras tour on the back of announcing Midnight's. Getting tickets to the people, though, was hard. (laughs) I mean, it was just, I mean, when you've got the US Justice Department looking into (laughs) Ticketmaster off the back (laughs) of this kind of shitstorm, you know it was bad. You know it was bad. Mind you, by the time the whole kerfuffle had died down, Taylor had to apologise. Ticketmaster had to apologise. It was suddenly time for the tour itself. It launched on March 17 and it launched to mass critical acclaim. Taylor delivered three and a half hours of performance, which soared, absolutely soared over the very lofty expectations. Within a few weeks of the era's tour, though, we learned that Taylor had broken up with her boyfriend of six years, Joe Alwyn. That was on April 8 that that news broke. By May 3rd, tabloid The Sun was connecting Taylor to the 1975's Maddie Healy. Yeah, now, much controversy, much, much, much controversy <laughs> ensued. Muchos controversy. <laughs> Until June 5 when they split. In July, she really speak now. She also crossed paths with a guy named Travis Kelsey, who'd go on to become quite the figure in her life in the months to come. We are rewinding back <laughs> to about that time. <laughs> All right, Zara, you said it best. We have teased out an important new character in Taylor's life. It is, of course, American football player Travis Kelsey. Before we get to how Taylor and Travis met, let's chat about who the hell Travis is. Yeah, so 34-year-old Travis Kelsey was also born in 1989. I refuse to believe she wasn't attracted to that fact, she by the way. Loved, she romanticises her life, yeah. which I love about her, and she would have romanticised that Totally. Fact. Now, he's an extremely accomplished NFL player, as we know. Many media outlets have speculated that he may just be the best tight end, of course, the position he plays of all time. He's played for the Kansas City Chiefs since 2013. Now... He had a pretty big profile in the sporting arena, Mm. but he had a pretty big profile outside of sports too. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's had his own reality show. In 2016, Travis Kelsey starred on the show Catching Kelsey, where 50 women competed for a chance to date him. It was essentially The Bachelor but rebranded just for Travis. He did date the winner, Maya Benberry, for a few months after the show, but their relationship didn't last very long. Yeah, years later, he actually described the process of the show as extremely awkward. I mean, shock horror. (laughs) He also has a podcast with his brother, Jason, called New Heights. Now, Jason's also an NFL player. So on the show, they discuss their games, the NFL in general. They often have guests as well. I also think it's worth noting that in June 2023, so like a month before he met Taylor, 
he hosted SNL, which was a pretty big deal for an athlete like him. Like mm. I read this interview that he did with Vulture soon after hosting the show and the interviewer kind of asked him what his plans were post-NFL because it's largely speculated that he would sign for 2025 and then retire. Mm. And to that he said, I don't know if what I want to do has really been done yet. What do you think he means by that? I think he wanted to create such a mammoth career in the public eye for him post-NFL that he hadn't seen a blueprint for it. Yeah, I think usually in cases like this you see men or women athletes at their prime in terms of fame while they're playing mm. and they still maintain relevance post-sport but they don't explode post-sport. Yeah. I think Travis Kelsey has always intended to explode post-sport and I think Taylor Swift is a huge part of that. Yeah, I also think that quote speaks to maybe how compatible they are. I know we're going to talk about this a little later in the episode. I think Travis has this maybe public image of being this Labrador guy, this like knockabout golden retriever energy bloke, but he's so, so motivated. Like that idea of, I don't know if what I want to do has ever really been done yet. That is Taylor Swift energy. Yeah, and I don't know if a relationship would survive in this stratosphere unless you dated someone with the same attitude. Yeah. As you, I think the thing about Travis Kelsey, and as much as you say he's got that Labrador energy and everyone mm. loves him, the fundamental point here is he is desperate to be one of the most famous people in the world. Well, he loves being famous. He loves he it. He absolutely loves it, and so does Taylor Swift. So that made it very interesting then when Travis Kelsey attended the Eras Tour in Kansas City on July 8, 2023. The concert took place at Arrowhead Stadium, which also happens to be his home stadium for the Kansas City Chiefs. He was filmed watching the concert from a private box within the stadium and then later trading friendship bracelets with other fans at the show. Yeah, on July 26, Travis and his brother discussed the show on their podcast. Here's what they said at the time. She doesn't talk before or after her shows because she has to save her voice for the 44 songs that she sings. So I was a little butthurt. I didn't get to hand her one of the bracelets I made for her. You made her a bracelet? Yeah. If you're up on uh, Taylor Swift concerts, there are friendship bracelets. And I received a bunch of them being there, but I wanted to give Taylor Swift one with my number on it. Not right now. Your number's in 87 or your phone number? You know which one. <laughs> Okay, so with what happened next, keep in mind that this was all secret. The public did not know that any of this was happening. This was purely a private thing between Team Kelsey and Team Swift. Yeah, absolutely. Now, according to Travis, shortly after the podcast aired, when he kind of confessed that he had this like failed attempt to give Taylor his number, someone within Taylor's inner circle had his back. And in a profile for the Wall Street Journal, he told the journalist, there were definitely people she knew that knew who I was in her corner who said, yo, did you know he was coming? I had somebody playing Cupid. <laughs> now, as per the Wall Street Journal, Travis let slip that some of his early helpers were part of the Swift family tree. She'll probably hate me for saying this, but when she came to Arrowhead, they gave her the big locker room as her dressing room and her little cousins were taking pictures in front of my locker. Mm, so thanks to these insiders, whoever they were, Travis received a text from Taylor Swift. Of this moment, he said, she told me exactly what was going on and how I got lucky enough to get her to reach out. Yeah, so let's leave Travis and Taylor here just for a moment because we have to cover the next edition in Taylor's re-recording series. 
God, it feels pretty non-stop when you kind of lay them out like mm. this. On August 10, during a performance in Los Angeles, Taylor announced that 1989 Taylor's version would be released on October 27, 2023. She teased this reveal throughout the performance with blue versions of her most iconic era's tour looks. And then when it came time for the big reveal, she said this. You might have noticed there are some new outfits in the show. There's some new There's something that I've been planning for a really, really, really ridiculous thing. And I think instead of just like telling you about it, I think I'll just sort of show you something. I lost it when I saw this video on social media. I was so excited. I was really excited too. And it shows so much about how, yeah, I am excited for the album, but I think I just loved getting swept up in stuff. Oh, yeah. Like when the album comes, it's always exciting. But I don't think the actual release ever matches my excitement about the release. Like I think with Taylor, so much of the joy is something is always happening. Something's always coming. Totally. Picking those moments and watching those moments is the joy. Exactly. Now, this show was interesting for another reason as well, because Carly Kloss Mm. was in attendance. (laughs) I mean, it was pretty wild to see Carly Kloss at the Eras Tour anyway, because we knew that Carly and Taylor, I mean, fell out. They hadn't been Mm. spotted together in years. But it was also strange for a lot of people that Carly was there on the night that she announced 1989, which was the Carly Kloss era. Yeah, it can't be a coincidence. We said this on Shameless at the time. It's way too serendipitous that the day Carly would be pictured in the same, you know, arena as Taylor Swift for the first time they were connected together was also the date that Taylor was re-releasing the album when they were best friends. What do you think happened here? Because it's not like... She was in the VIP tent where Taylor, you know, is known to kind of keep her nearest and dearest. She was Mm. up high in the bleachers. I still don't know. (laughs) It's kind of interesting because nothing's happened between them since then. Like, I thought this was going to be the start, like a breadcrumbing of maybe they're friends again. Not super, super close, but like are still in contact. But nothing's popped up since this point. Yeah, you're right. Kind of like the Kylie Jenner, Jordan Woods scenario where it's like, oh, this is the relaunch of the rekindled friendship. I still don't know. I know we've had so many months to sit with this. I was confused by it then. I'm confused by it now. I did at the time posit the theory that maybe she was put in the public, like the general access areas. So lots of people would film and photograph her and it would be an even bigger moment. I'm still kind of connected to that theory. And I kind of think the idea of her being in the stands and then moved into the VIP area, that is a a story. That's a though. No one had any proof that she was in the VIP tent. Yeah. So it's like... I don't know. (laughs) I I think also she would have been photographed more if she was in the VIP tent rather than in the stands. Yeah. I think it was kind of symbolic that she was there but not in the VIP tent in that they are friendly and they're not on bad terms but they're not super close. It would surprise me though if Carly Kloss would want to go to the Eras Tour if she was asked by Taylor, but Taylor said, oh, you're in general admission. I think there's a lot more to gain for Carly Kloss here. Yeah. Just being connected to Taylor again and not being sort of on the out. Yeah. Because I think it wasn't good for her brand. And it's a big community of people to go up against. Oh, my God. The biggest community. Yeah. Now, let's park the Carly Kloss speculation because we need to get back to Travis Kelsey. 
According to, you know, stories we've heard in later months, Taylor and Travis's first date took place somewhere in August in New York City. Travis said, when I met her in New York, we'd already kind of been talking. So I knew we could have a nice dinner and like conversation and what goes from there will go from there. Everybody around me was telling me, do not fuck this up. And me sitting here saying, yeah, got it. I kind of love that. I'm looking at the ears to her dates as well, by the way. It was a good time for them to connect in July because she did have more concerts after that. But then she had a bit of a break. August, September, October were pretty bare as far as the ears to her was concerned. So I feel like they did have time to properly date then. Yeah, 100%, which I think would be mammoth. I don't know how you'd maintain a relationship touring in the way that she does. Now, it wasn't until September 12 that we got the first hint that they actually might be a thing. It came from Entertainment Tonight, who ran a story with the headline, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey are not officially dating, sources, (laughs) which clarified that while they weren't a couple, they were hanging out. Yeah, here's what an anonymous source added. Travis has been into Taylor for a while and definitely has a crush on her. He's a simple guy that is very funny, charismatic, chill and loves playing football. A few days after that Entertainment Tonight report, Travis's brother Jason was questioned about Taylor Swift when he called into a radio show. Yeah. So it was a phone call to a radio show. And they put him on the spot about Travis Kelsey's love life. He did his best to avoid the questioning from the hosts, but then he did say this. And a heads up, it is a phone call to a radio station, so that's why the audio is just a little bit funky. It's hard to answer because I don't really know a lot about what's happening in Travis's love life, and I try to like keep, uh, you know, you know, his business kind of his business sure. and, and stay out of that world. You know, but having said that, man, I I I think they're doing great, and I think it's all 100 percent true, and I hope that this soon goes a mile down. I don't know what's happening. It's kind of a funny answer because it's <laughs> at the start I'm like, well, who doesn't know what their sibling is doing? And then the second part where he's like, nah, they're actually dating, and then he's like, nah, I'm joking. <laughs> it's kind of perfect because it's so confusing. Do you think he was in so many minds? He's like, don't give them what they want, and then he's like, oh, I'll give them a little bit, and he's like, oh, I went too far, I need to pull back. I honestly do not know. Now, <laughs> during an interview with Pat McAfee, McAfee, I don't know. <laughs> McAfee? McAfee. McAfee. I honestly feel like we've mentioned this guy on Scandal before and had the exact <laughs> same back and forth. Let's go Pat McAfee. <laughs> yeah, Pat. On September 22, Travis confessed that he threw the ball into Taylor's court after the errors to a concert in July. Here's exactly what he said. I told her, you know, I've seen you rock the stage in Arrowhead. You might have to come see me rock the stage in Arrowhead and see which one's a little more lit. So we'll see what happens in the near future. (laughs) See which one's a little more lit. Now, near future did eventuate. It was on September 25, Zara, that Taylor was spotted at a Kansas City Chiefs football game sitting next to Travis's mother, Donna, in his private suite at Arrowhead Stadium. So three days between him telling Pat McAfee that and her actually being at his football game. Yeah, with Mama Kelsey. Now, not only that, but after the game, Travis and Taylor were filmed walking side by side behind the scenes at the stadium. They were then photographed leaving the stadium in his convertible, as per Glamour. Following the game, Swift and Kelsey reportedly dined together at a restaurant in the most Taylor Swift way, of course. According to a fan on TikTok, Swift paid for the meals of everyone in the unnamed establishment under the stipulation that they leave immediately, allowing them to dine alone. Do have to asterisk that and say, you know, we've got anonymous sort of sources Mm. saying that, but an interesting tidbit nonetheless. 
Now, Travis briefly spoke about Taylor showing up at the game on an episode of New Heights with Jason. Here's what he said. I just thought it was awesome how everybody in the suite had nothing but great things to say about her. You know, the friends and family. She looked amazing. Everybody was talking about her in great light. <laughs> to see the slow motion chest bumps, to see the high fives with mom, to see how, you know, Chiefs Kingdom was all excited that she was there. That sh- was absolutely hysterical. It was definitely a game I'll remember. That's for damn sure. And then we just slid off in the getaway car at the end. So after all of that happened, it's true that we had thoughts here at Shameless. We came on the show... And shared them all pretty shamelessly. I love the idea that you had, Zara. You said, why don't we play a snippet from the podcast on this episode of Scandal so we can put ourselves back in the mindset that we were in in September when this was all happening. Yeah, and full disclosure, I don't know what this snippet is. I haven't heard We've this. We've got producer Annabelle to load <laughs> it up for us. So I don't really remember. So do you want to push the green button for me? Yeah. Let's hear what we said. I found one interesting tweet that read, I don't know who needs to hear this, but Taylor Swift, the biggest pop star on the planet, and Travis Kelsey, star footballer, are the last people to need a PR relationship. And to that I would say, I think you've mistaken what a PR relationship actually does. Yeah. For some people, a PR relationship is to get yourself into the media and get people talking about you. For other people, namely A-list celebrities a la Taylor Swift, a PR relationship is purely for fun. Like yes. it can be to position you in a slightly different way. At the time, it couldn't be more serendipitous for him as well. Like he's looking at, do you go into broadcast? Do you go into movies? He's been signed by CAA, which is like a big Hollywood talent agency. He's wanting to enter a new stratosphere and has been very open about that. And I just find this fascinating, this discussion of like Travis Kelsey is about to surpass just being an NFL player to being an international star. And I think this Taylor Swift thing has done it. Okay, you know what? As much as I, like we said on this show when it first popped up, this is obviously PR, this is obviously PR, and that hasn't aged well. Mm. I don't think that snippet's too bad. I don't think it is either. Also, dare I say two things can, can be, true. be true. I wouldn't mind betting even now knowing that they're, I do think they're together. I know that some other people, I'm pretty sure Demois thinks this is still a PR yeah. relationship, for example. I think it might have started off as something to be like, look, dating the football player is not the worst thing for my brand. And then happy coincidence. It's like when someone goes on Love Island UK. Sorry for the weird analogy. They go on thinking, look, I'll boost my profile. And falling in love is a great side product if it happens. Completely agree. I think that's exactly what's happened. And I do think that Travis was drawn to this for all the reasons I said before. Mm. He wants to be... Bigger than football. Bigger than he is now. And Taylor has helped him do that. Now, over the following weeks, Taylor continued to show up at Chiefs games. She was often flanked by family and friends. By October, they were seen publicly together outside of football games too. And when asked about his relationship with Taylor during a post-match press conference, Travis didn't shy away. He said... We're learning with the paparazzi, just taking photos from all over the place. But at the same time, it comes with it. You've got a lot of people that care about Taylor and for good reason. You just have to keep living and learning and enjoying the moments. At the end of the day, I've always been good at compartmentalising and being able to stay focused in this building. I will keep rolling with that. Mm, Guys, after the break, we are going to hear more about Travis and Taylor's relationship and Taylor becoming a billionaire. But before that, let's hear a word from today's sponsor.
All right, Zara, October 2023, that's where we are in the timeline right now. This was a big month for Taylor, and not just because of her new relationship. On October 27, Forbes actually announced that she had become a billionaire. In a piece exploring her wealth, the writer Marissa Delato wrote, With a record-breaking tour, a blockbuster movie, and a shrewd mind for business, the 33-year-old singer is now worth an estimated $1.1 billion. Yeah, here's the breakdown. She pocketed an estimated $190 million after taxes from the first leg of the Eras Tour and another $35 million from the first two weeks of screening of Taylor Swift, the Eras Tour movie. Altogether, more than $500 million of Swift's fortune is cash earned from music royalties and touring. Another $500 million is based on the rising value of her music catalogue. And she has $125 million in real estate, including six homes and a $10 million private plane. Must be nice. I know. (laughs) This piece also made the interesting distinction and I think this is really important, that Taylor is one of the only musicians who became a billionaire through her music alone, not external ventures. For example, we know that Rihanna is a billionaire thanks to her beauty brand Fenty and her lingerie line Savage X Fenty. Jay-Z became a billionaire because of his various investments in alcohol and Uber. Mm. But Taylor's wealth was almost completely made up of royalty earnings, touring and her concert film. They say that the only assets that contribute to her wealth that aren't music are her properties and her private plane, but they were all bought. With, with the yeah. money made from music. so <laughs> yeah, It's all the same thing. Yeah. Now, another fun fact, guys. Taylor's original six-album back catalogue that was sold to Scooter Braun was valued at about $180 million back in 2018. At the time of the Forbes piece being published, the catalogue Taylor Swift owns, so her re-released recordings, is said to be worth $500 million. So what, in the space of five years, she went, yeah, I lost that $180 million back catalogue. Let me just work in the background on this $500 million one. It's insane and so impressive. Now, at this point in the timeline, we need to kind of head to November 2023 when Taylor took her ears to her to Latin America. Now, after four sold-out shows in Mexico City, She travelled to Buenos Aires in Argentina for another three sold-out shows. She'd never played a show in Argentina before this, and the fans, Mish, were ready. They were. The New York Times uncovered an incredible feat of dedication from the Argentinian Swifties, as they explained that a fan-led campout at the stadium had been going on since May. So a reminder, we're in November. These fans had been camping out since May. Here's how the piece read. The tent was occupied by a rotating cast of 30 diehard Swifties who worked together over 163 days to hold their spots in line for a chance to get as close as possible to their idol when she walked on stage Thursday in the first stop of her era's tour outside North America. I don't know how I I feel about this. Yeah, look, as much as I was like, wow, what dedication. As I read that, I'm like, that is definitely an unhealthy level of obsession that you're spending 163 days. You're putting your whole life on hold for a a particularly close spot to the stage. Yeah. It's bad. I don't know how that's allowed, to be honest. Yeah. Now, during the show on November 11, 2023, Taylor had a bit of a surprise for the crowd as well. As per people, during the concert, Swift changed the lyrics to her song Karma, singing, Karma is the guy on the Chiefs coming straight home to me. Mm. 
her fans went wild. Literally went wild. Because then <laughs> I went wild. After the show, she was also filmed literally running into his arms and sharing a kiss with him backstage. And she did this in full view of her fans. Like she knew mm. that they were filming her mm-hmm. and she wanted them to film her. She sure did. Taylor's first shows in Argentina were pretty much a triumph. They were on par with the rest of the North American dates. Although she did have to shift one date because of a major storm. But, you know, the weather's out of her control. Things did take a turn for the worse, though when the Eras tour landed at its next stop in Brazil. When Taylor touched down in Brazil on Thursday, November 16, the monument Christ the Redeemer was wearing her famous T-shirt from the You Belong With Me music video. I think that display shows just how thrilled Brazilians were about having Taylor in town and hosting her in Rio de Janeiro. Oh, absolutely. Now, before her first show in Rio on Friday, November 17, fans lined up in absolutely sweltering temperatures. I mean, the Associated Press reported that the actual temperatures reached 41 degrees Celsius, while the heat index, which is that part of the weather app that tells you what the weather feels like, Mm. which I've actually truly never understood, (laughs) hit nearly 59 degrees Celsius. It's just... It's crazy. Many fans claimed that the stadium didn't allow them to bring water into the stadium, even with the extreme heat. Mm. Now, once inside the stadium, fans also reportedly had very little access to water. In fact, when Taylor hit the stage, fans filmed multiple videos of her prompting security guards and venue staff to provide water to the crowd. In one video, Taylor is filmed saying, there's people that need water right here, maybe 30, 35, 40 feet back. So whoever is in charge of giving them that, just make sure that happens. Can I get a signal that you know where they are? When fans started to chant water, 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 Taylor reportedly replied, we don't need to chant, it's totally fine, we just need to get water to them. Another video showed her throwing a water bottle into the crowd during all too well 10 minute version. Tragically, at this concert, one fan, a 23-year-old woman named Anna Clara Benavides, lost her life. According to Rolling Stone, she fainted during Cruel Summer, the second song on the Eras to a set list, and sadly died later on in the hospital. Yeah, Anna had travelled over 880 miles to attend the show, and on November 7, 2023, she had posted to Twitter, I don't know what my purpose in life will be after I see Taylor. So she mm. was a big super fan. Yeah. The next Next day, Taylor posted a statement to Instagram that read, I can't believe I'm writing these words, but it is with a shattered heart that I say we lost a fan earlier tonight before my show. I can't even tell you how devastated I am by this. There's very little information I have apart from the fact that she was incredibly beautiful and far too young. Mm. The statement went on, I'm not going to be able to talk about this from the stage because I feel overwhelmed by grief when I even try to talk about it. I want to say now that I feel this lost deeply and my broken heart goes out to her family and friends. This is the last thing I ever thought would happen when we decided to bring this tour to Brazil. Eilish, our pop culture journalist, did want to point out Taylor did cop it a little bit for potentially saying something that was untrue. She said before my show in the statement you just read out, Zara, when from all the reporting we could find this fan, Anna, passed out during Cruel Summer. So it's just... It's a very interestingly worded statement. I can understand maybe why a team would want to mitigate blame, I guess, but to say something that might be potentially untrue is an interesting move. Yeah, I think it also the fact that Taylor has written in here, and I want to be super careful with my wording, but she's written in here, I will not be speaking about this on stage, I think, speaks so much to 
how much Taylor's fan base expect and demand of her. Mm-hmm. And I, I think as we set this up at the start of episode four, it's a mutually beneficial relationship. Taylor's fans ask a lot of her because she gives them a lot and that's kind of what works for her. But it is very much the world we live in where it's like, if you don't say something on this, you are to blame. Yes. Yes. And Taylor's saying, I'm not going to say anything on this. Yeah. I, another point of contention was Anna wasn't named in this statement, yeah. which was, I look, it would have been really interesting. Maybe Anna's family requested that. Well, exactly we don't know. Right. You just don't know. But I would be lying if I said I wasn't very fascinated by this statement, both at the time and now. I agree. As per Business Insider, local firefighters said about a thousand fans fainted due to the heat at the show. Other concert goers vomited and experienced severe dehydration. So as far as a glittering concert run is concerned, this was a really dark chapter. We hadn't seen any controversy out of the era's tour. No, it was dark, but I felt like it was sort of quickly swept under the rug. Mm. And it, like they were able to move past it quite quickly. I don't think a lot of airtime was spent on this part of the tour. Now, we actually have to pivot back to Travis now, whose star power had certainly grown exponentially since he started dating Taylor. So at this point in the timeline, this is when his old tweets started surfacing. <laughs> they started being uncovered by the Swifties. At first, Travis seemed to be just purely in the cringy camp. His totally. tweets were coming out and they were kind of part adorable, part embarrassing. His old tweets from 2010 onwards were met with utter delight from Swifties because they were just so wholesomely embarrassing. Yeah, I mean, take this tweet from 2010. Gosh, I don't want to work today. I just want to sleep in my bed and do nothing with my life. <laughs> like, been, okay. He would have been about 21 when he yeah. wrote that for the record. Now, another popular tweet to resurface from around that time was this one. I just gave a squirrel a piece of bread and it straight smashed all of it. I had no idea they ate bread like that. Ha ha. Hashtag crazy. Now, please note the spelling of squirrel, which is S-Q-U-I-R. L-E. Yeah, as per Variety writer Alison Herman, Travis Kelsey is experiencing the most positive possible version of the internet digging up your tweets from 2011. Except that didn't actually quite last. Some deleted tweets from Travis resurfaced on Reddit around this time, and these ones weren't quite so wholesome. As per the New York Times, Travis Kelsey wrote in a post in 2010, As a man, you have something wrong with you if you're going for girls that weigh more than you. Mm. In another, he joked about being attacked by ugly girls. Now, the others that were screenshotted on Reddit weren't exactly golden, but that gives you a good grasp. And I do always have to have the caveat with tweets like this. I think that they're real, but, like, it's very easy for them not to be as well. Well, like, screenshots, I agree with you. I think they're real. On the balance of probability, I think they're legit. We actually can't know for sure, so I think we always want to say that. It's not, like, the worst set of deleted tweets. They're not great, particularly with the 2024 lens. But nothing, like, they were bad, but not so bad that they made a heap of headlines. In fact, I didn't even know this part of the story. I didn't know this. I think that's what's so interesting is I was very much across the early tweets and the funny ones, and I feel like I'm generally quite across Taylor and Travis and pop culture news because it's our job. Yeah. And yet this wasn't on my radar, which says to me that people didn't want to consume this and people didn't want to hear this at all. It didn't make a splash. I feel like often with pop culture stories that are this big, 
we decide what we want to believe and then we kind of do ignore anything that comes in that might conflict this. It actually reminds me, for anyone who's listened to our Chrissy Teigen yeah. scandal series, I remember feeling quite quite poorly about my own performance as a pop culture journalist because I had decided that I wanted to love Chrissy Teigen and she was my it girl. Mm. Any headlines that came up about her with Courtney Stodden or cyberbullying or being a tr- like being a troll on Twitter – I just ignored it because it didn't fit into my my idea of who Chrissy was. And I feel the same about this. People have decided Travis Kelsey is a certain way, is the golden retriever. And anything that doesn't slot neatly into that, we just pretend doesn't exist. Absolutely. It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy mm. for sure. Now, on November 20, 2023, the Wall Street Journal published a feature profile with Travis, which was pretty big. It was headlined, How Travis Kelsey Manifested the Best Year of His Life. Now, this profile gives major insight into who Travis is as a person and as a public figure, and also how his relationship with Taylor functions. For example, this profile revealed those secret dates that Travis and Taylor had before she publicly kind of went to that Chiefs game. And so we only found out about them because of this profile. Yeah. Also, it really honed in on what kind of person and celebrity Travis Kelsey is. For context on the following quote, the author, J.R. Moringa, was taken on a ride with Travis in his custom Rolls Royce. And while there, they came across some enthusiastic fans of Travis's. Now, here's the quote. A different sort of celebrity might be more guarded, might even chirp those big Rolls tyres and speed away before someone throws their body across the luminous silver bonnet. But Kelsey's default emotion is this, exuberant extroversion. He likes people, loves people. If people gush at him, he can't help it, he gushes back. Yeah, now obviously a lot of this profile was centred around his relationship with Taylor, but Travis seemed to be fine with it. J.R. Moringa wrote, Travis doesn't need to be asked about Taylor. He mentions her unreservedly, lavishes praise on her, calls her hilarious, a genius, notes that they share compatible worldviews, especially when it comes to family and work. Everybody knows I'm a family guy, he says. Her team is her family. Her family does a lot of stuff in terms of the tour, the marketing, being around. So I think she has a lot of those values as well, which is right up my alley. Mm, Here's another passage from the piece. More often than not, he says, it was a Swifty and B a melody that captivated him. She writes catchy jingles, he said. But lately, he's all about those lyrics. He's scrutinised the breakup stuff. What a miracle, he says, the way Swift can turn life into poetry. I've never been a man of words, he says. Being around her, seeing how smart Taylor is, has been fucking mind-blowing. I'm learning every day. Yeah, now, he spoke finally about learning to live with the constant attention that Taylor generates. He said, obviously, I've never dated anyone with that kind of aura about them. I've never dealt with it. But at the same time, I'm not running away from any of it. The scrutiny she gets, how much she has a magnifying glass on her every single day, paparazzi outside her house, outside of every restaurant she goes to, after every flight she gets off and she's just living, enjoying life. When she acts like that, I better not be the one acting all strange. Mm. It is pretty impressive to not to not be rattled yeah. by the attention. It's kind Unflappable. of... Unflappable. Yeah. That's what makes me think they might have a long-lasting relationship because I don't know where you find anybody else yeah. who wouldn't be rattled by the level of fame that she has. I mean, I thought the profile in and of itself was quite... A clever move, I think. I would love to know. I'm pretty sure it was Taylor's team that would have organised it. True pain. Yeah, I think so. He came across as 
Really good. Yeah, I completely agree. By the way, we're not done with November 2023. We do need to play with the timeline a little bit, though. Guys, we haven't spoken to you about You're Losing Me, which was Taylor's song that we think was about her breakup with Joe Alwyn. We haven't touched on this yet. So we are in November 2023 right now, but we're going to rewind in a little bit back to May. To set this up, on November 28, 2023, Taylor's longtime producer and close friend, Jack Antonoff, he's been mentioned so many times throughout this series, posted something very interesting to his Instagram stories, Zara. But before we get to the Instagram story, let's go back to May 2023. Yep. So in May 2023, Taylor announced two new deluxe editions of Midnight's. There was like the digital only till dawn edition and the physical only late night edition. Now, the late night edition is the one we're interested in right now. The late night edition of Midnight's was only available as a CD and only available in person at the merch desk at the East Rutherford <laughs> Eras Tour shows on May 26 and 28. So we're talking exclusive. Yeah. Now, what made this edition so special is it included a bonus track titled You're Losing Me from The Vault. And what made You're Losing Me so special is basically it appeared, and we'll never know for sure, but it seemed obvious, to reference the demise of her relationship with Joe Alwyn. I mean, as I just said, this was announced in May. Her breakup with Joe was announced in April. If she's releasing this special bonus episode, bonus episode, bonus track called <laughs> You're Losing Me. Of course, people are going to put those things together. It was about Joe. I think we can just, I mean, we'll put that in quotation marks and we'll put yeah. some kind of asterisks next to it. But I think we can say this was about Joe. And look, we could sit here and analyse the whole song. But for the sake of time, the most potent lyrics in You're Losing Me are these. I gave you all my best me's, my endless empathy, and all I did was bleed as I tried to be the bravest soldier, fighting in only your army, front lines, don't you ignore me, I'm the best thing at this party, you're losing me, and I wouldn't marry me either, a pathological people pleaser who only wanted you to see her. As per Nylon, there are no mic drop moments or explosive gossip. The closest Swift gets to revealing any details is on the second verse, when she seems to suggest that the relationship hadn't been okay for a while now. I love Taylor Swift's music. I love almost every song. You're Losing Me is one of my least favourites. I, when I heard this, I think someone released it onto TikTok, like leaked it onto there. I heard it and I was like, it's a bit blah. Yeah. I honestly can't even remember like the beat. No. And also, yeah, no, I can, but I still don't like it in my head. And I also remember thinking at the time, this is a bit cheap. Yes, like, I agree. If it is about Joe and I think it is, I just think it's a bit cheap and a bit meaningless. Like save this for the next album. It definitely felt cheap to me because as we say, even if it wasn't about Joe, you're smart enough to know if you're releasing a song called You're Losing Me a month after the breakup, people are going to think that. So it just felt like a kind of yuck PR move. You're capitalising on it yeah. at a time when he was already fucking copying it. I, I think agree. that was the thing as well. I didn't love this. Now, by November 2023, because Taylor had just been announced as Spotify's global top artist for the year, she said, all right, to celebrate, I'm going to drop your losing me on streaming platforms. So mm. originally people just had it in random CDs. Now the whole world can have it. The producer of the track, Jack Antonoff, who we mentioned before, took to his Instagram stories to celebrate this. He posted a photo of Taylor standing at a kitchen island bench, picking at some raisins or something. And he wrote, <laughs> you're losing me is out today. A very special track from the midnight sessions that's finally streaming. Written and recorded at home on the 5th of December 2021, right after Taylor ate these raisins. Why? 
Like, why? I mean, he put this date in so specifically. It's just like chucked in there. Not even particularly well thought well, out to me. It could have been like written and recorded at home a couple of years ago. Like the specificity here is no accident. So naturally people started to speculate. Was he trying to say, was Jack Antonoff trying to tell the public that Joe and Taylor had been on the rocks a lot and had maybe briefly broken up at the end of 2021 before rekindling and then breaking up again in early 2023? I think so. I think so too. I don't know how else we're supposed to interpret this. Me either. I don't does get... it matter? No. Like... I'm like, <laughs> times like this, I'm like, what are you trying to tell me? I don't really get it. Are they, Or were they trying to? I mean, they failed if this is what they were trying to do. Were they trying to take heat off Joe? To say, no, 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 she had That's been the, this way I, before. I agree it's a possibility, but I can't imagine them being that stupid. Because it backfired if that was their plan. They've been in this industry for too long to think that that's a clever idea. Yeah. Now, poor old Joe Owen couldn't seem to catch a break in 2023 and it wasn't over just yet. On December 1, just a few days after You're Losing Me was released on streaming platforms, and Jack Antonoff had told the whole world when it was written, gossip Instagram account Dumois decided to enter the chat. Mm. Now, basically, Dumois posted a story that emphatically stated that Taylor and Joe had some form of marriage ceremony in 2020, Mish, or 2021. Yeah, here's exactly what Dumois wrote. She did have a ceremony in either 2020 or 2021 in the UK, and it was described to me as a marriage by more than one person. It was never made legal. I will die on this hill. Put it on my tombstone. I have no reason to lie. I could give a shit about what she does. I'm sorry she didn't tell you guys about it in a song, but just because she doesn't sing about something doesn't mean it didn't happen. I've got to say, I would be there with Dumois if she had a little more specificity than might have been 2020, might have been 2021. Like, it feels a bit hazy. I also don't really care if they had a marriage so many if it wasn't legal. Who gives a fuck? Yeah, so they had a party to celebrate their relationship. I could just get up in front of you right now and be like, I love Zara McDonald. Yeah. It's not legally binding. That's, it's like, unless you're going to tell me something that like, I don't know. Matches in a court of law. Yeah, I'm like, I'm not interested. <laughs> now, obviously, because Taylor and Joe were in a long-term relationship, there was already speculation that maybe they were married or engaged and tabloids had run multiple engagement stories about them that have never been confirmed over the years. So Demois isn't necessarily alone in this speculation, but for some reason, this story was a step too far for Tree Payne, Taylor's longtime publicist. Now, Tree Payne very, 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 very rarely <laughs> makes any kind of public statement, usually preferring to keep behind the scenes and let the press she's generated for Taylor speak for herself. So the fact, Mish, that she spoke up about this was like a massive deal. A massive deal and a surprising deal. On Twitter, she reposted a screenshot from Demois' Instagram story and wrote this. Enough is enough with these fabricated lies about Taylor from Demois. There was never a marriage or ceremony of any kind. This is an insane thing to post. It's time for you to be held accountable for the pain and trauma you cause with posts like these. Now, that was an interesting statement. I mean, it's quite it's quite emotively worded, pain and trauma, that totally. kind of stuff. And we spoke about this on the show last year when it happened. But to recap it very briefly... Generally, the public believed that Tree Payne's post was not all that it seemed from the surface, that it ran a little deeper than just that screenshot. Yeah, because Demois had also posted around this time about their belief or her belief that a Taylor Swift song was actually 
about a miscarriage. And then this kind of Instagram story rumor thing was deleted very quickly after Tree Payne made her statement mm. about the marriage ceremony. Mm. So everyone was like, okay, instead of drawing attention to the miscarriage story, maybe she's just deciding to publicly tell off to moi for something else in order to chip away at her credibility without drawing attention to something they don't want to draw attention to. Mm. Because it's a completely disgusting thing to do. Oh, if there was speculation about a miscarriage, it's just such a, a brazen invasion of privacy. I think celebrities maybe can deal with us thinking and talking and analysing their relationships. But a miscarriage would just be 10 steps too far. Demois did have something to say in response. Apparently, reportedly, they deleted that post about the miscarriage, but then they did write this. I make zero dollars from lying. Can publicists say the same? Also, to relate something that is in reference to something that happened years ago to pain and trauma after what just happened seems like a poor choice of words. Either way, I apologize to Taylor. I think Demois was referencing the death of Anna at the Brazil show and saying that Taylor and Tree couldn't use the words pain and trauma in, you know, the shadow of that. Yeah, bit of a stretch for me. But anyway, yeah, weird. Now, in what could only be described as a very accurate summation of Taylor's unbelievable 2023, she was named Time Person of the Year on December 6th. I mean, fair fucking enough because yeah. we've just done <laughs> a whole episode on six months of her 2023. Fair fucking enough. Like, she was just everywhere. I mean, we spoke about this feature that accompanied her person of the year cover on shameless back in december so we're not going to go deep into it here but overall this feature felt like a victory lap right Mm. i mean for me as well as a taylor swift fan and as someone who you know has spoken about her at length (laughs) on shameless with you It felt validating because so often people are like, can we just like talk about something else rather than Taylor Swift? Mm. But for time to say, no, this is the most talked about person in the world. The biggest person in culture, the biggest person like in any realm. It's like, well, as if we're not going to talk about that. Yeah. As if anyone's not going to be interested in that. Now, I think the most intriguing quote from this interview was arguably this one. She said, this is the proudest and happiest I've ever felt and the most creatively fulfilled and free I've ever been. Ultimately, we can convolute it all we want or try to overcomplicate it, but there's only one question. The journalist kind of wrote in here, here, she atops a booming voice. Are you not entertained? Mm, She also famously name-checked Kim Kardashian when she said, you have a fully manufactured frame job in an illegally recorded phone call, which Kim Kardashian edited and then put out to say to everyone that I was a liar. That took me down psychologically to a place I've never been before. We are recording this months later and Kim Kardashian is still copying it on social media because of this, she still has snake emojis. She still has Swifties in her comments saying, how dare you do that to Taylor? We want to, we want another apology. Yeah. And she still hasn't made a statement or referenced it at all. Now on January 4, 2024, we have to talk about the next time that Taylor was in the headlines, but it wasn't something that she had done. It was somebody else. The New York Times ran an opinion piece by Rada Anna Marks with the headline, look what we made Taylor Swift do. Mm. Now, essentially, this opinion piece is a long exploration into the possibility that Taylor Swift is queer and that a lot of her music and promo material has been making allusion to this fact for years. Yeah, except that the author of the piece seems absolutely convinced that it's true that Taylor Swift is queer, which makes it 
a tricky read. The author labels these allusions that you just spoke to, Zara, as, and I quote, dropped hairpins. That's a term that essentially describes the practice of queer people dropping hints towards their sexual identity. Here's a quote from the piece. Miss Swift dropped hairpins before Lover and has continued to do so since. Sometimes she communicates through explicit sartorial choices. Hair, the colours of the bisexual pride flag or a recurring motif of rainbow dresses. She frequently depicts herself as trapped in glass closets or, well, in regular closets. Now, these are well-known theories amongst members of the online community of gay laws. They are Swifties who believe that Taylor is secretly queer. The thing is, those theories exist on Reddit, Twitter, TikTok, Tumblr, not typically in the pages of an esteemed publication like the New York Times. Yeah, at around 5,000 words, it's a pretty long piece. And many people, Swifties and otherwise, were kind of shocked that the New York Times would publish it. Now, it's also probably worth noting in this context that Anna Marks also wrote a pretty similar opinion essay speculating on the possibility that Harry Styles is queer for the New York Times a couple of years ago. It's like her beat. Yeah, as per the cut, Marx's op-ed prompted a fair amount of outrage online where even those of us who enjoy the occasional gay law theories found these assertions and the fact they were made in an esteemed national newspaper a few steps too far. Mm. I think we need to stop here and actually talk about that because I think it's it's a really interesting and fascinating conversation to me because I need to sort of make sense of my thoughts. Mm. Obviously, we have discussed on the show before the theories around Carly Kloss and Taylor Swift. I've gotten swept up in them before. Yeah. And it's like, do we feel there's a difference between having those conversations and an opinion piece like that? Does it make us reflect mm. in a different way? Um, about that kind of content and those those kinds of conversations? Like, where do we sit on it? I mean, where I sit now is when we spoke about it last year, when it was trending on social media, I think we were in our right to speak about it. I think maybe I'd have a different tone knowing what I know now. I don't – it was kind of impossible to ignore. This was everywhere. People were obsessed with this. I became obsessed with this because as much as we are – pop culture analysts we're also Taylor Swift fans and we do get swept up in like fandom movements I also at the time didn't think it was particularly offensive to speculate on whether two women had a relationship I didn't find that to be something that is you know something to be ashamed of I found it just fascinating to be honest but then again on the record I am hetero so maybe I have blind spots here all of that in mind I do think there is a difference as much as I maybe I would tweak my tone that I used back then I do think there is a difference. Speculating this about a celebrity when they've never really said much about it is one thing. If that celebrity then speaks on it, and I think Taylor actually wrote a bit of an essay and it was included in the vinyl of her 1989 re-release when she directly spoke to this. And she said, I don't like it. Stop it. I've dropped it since then. A lot of people dropped it since then that I've seen, you know, who write about culture, speculate on culture. If you then keep doing it, if you ignore it when the celebrity has said, leave me the fuck alone, stop saying this, it's not true, I think that is a different decision. Yeah, I I agree with that largely. I think with hindsight, I reckon there'd be changes I would make to some of our content with this Mm. in mind, but I wouldn't delete it. No. Uh, I also think there's a difference between saying, was this friendship one that was more than just a friendship? And then writing 5,000 words in one of the most reputable newspapers in the world not just speculating, but asserting that she must be. Yeah, it's different to go, 
Oh, I wonder and go, no, definitely. Like yeah. definitely and let me take you on a journey so I can prove to you I'm correct. Yeah, I mean, for example, in the piece, Anna Marks evokes the coming out story of country music star Shelley Wright, in which she contemplated suicide due to the turmoil she felt about being a queer person in the country music industry. Now, Wright herself took to Twitter to condemn the piece, where she wrote, I was mentioned in the piece, so I'll weigh in. I think it was awful of the New York Times to publish. Triggering for me to read, and not because the writer mentioned my nearly ending my life, but seeing a public person's sexuality being discussed is upsetting. Yeah, an anonymous source close to Taylor's spoke to CNN in light of this opinion piece and they, whoever they are, hello tree, were not happy as per CNN. Because of her massive success, in this moment, there is a tailor-shaped hole in people's ethics. The article wouldn't have been allowed to be written about Shawn Mendes or any male artist whose sexuality has been questioned by fans. There seems to be no boundary some journalists won't cross when writing about Taylor, regardless of how invasive, untrue and inappropriate it is all under the protective veil of an opinion piece. Now, we need to point out the kind of sexism argument of this wouldn't happen to a man isn't quite accurate. We know it had actually already happened to Harry Styles. But still, I think the bulk of what whoever gave that quote is, I think the bulk of what they said is true and holds up. I'm really interested in what our listeners think about this because I know mm. they'll message us and have their own thoughts because I think it's a, it's a complicated conversation and it's probably more nuanced than the internet was allowing it to be. Yeah. Which brings us to today, Mish. Feb 2024. Taylor is scheduled to perform for tens of thousands of Australian Swifties, including us, at the Eras <laughs> Tour. When it no, hits don't. I'm so Melbourne excited. and Sydney. I think the best place to finish here, and I say finish, but I have no doubt we're going to eventually do a six and seven <laughs> and eight and nine Can't in the wait. years to come with a quote from Times Person of the Year profile on Taylor which kind of accurately to us sums up her position in pop culture. Swift's accomplishments as an artist, culturally, critically and commercially, are so legion that to recount them seems almost besides the point. To discuss her movements felt like discussing politics or the weather. A language spoken so widely it needed no context. She became the main character of the world. She is the main character to all those who are going to the Eras Tour, we hope you have the best time ever. To those who missed out, we hope you can at least, you know, enjoy it via film or however. I'm just, I'm really pumped. I love Taylor Swift. I don't think she's perfect by any means, but I love her and she will forever be my past basket celeb. I can't wait for Friday. I can't wait for Friday. A massive thank you as always to our pop culture journalist, Eilish Gilligan, who I hazard a guess enjoyed doing this one as well. She is also a Taylor Swift fan and our producer, Annabelle <laughs> Lee, who is also a fan and going on Friday, <laughs> who will edit this one. Also, this will be out by Friday for most people, unless you're listening to this on Shame More. This will already be out. It'll be the Sydney shows this week. So by the time this is out, you and I have been, and maybe we'll listen to this and be like, best night of our lives. Yeah. Hopefully I don't get like gastro or something. I'm terrified I'm going to get sick. No, I'd still, no, I wouldn't. (laughs) Sorry, that's not the thing to say in 2024. Bye, guys. Bye. Shameless Media. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Hello guys, Mish here. I am the co-founder of Shameless Media. Thank you so much for giving us your ears and your mind and your time. We're so grateful. If you enjoy the stuff that we produce, may I recommend our brand new podcast, Style-ish 
stylish if you want to say it quickly, style-ish if you want to take the long way through. It is our podcast for all things fashion, brand, business, and beauty. If that is in your wheelhouse, if you care about style content, you will love this show. It is, of course, more than just a show as well. It is a newsletter. It is an Instagram feed. It is a TikTok account. There is so much good stuff going out on Stylish every single day starting now. So in your favorite app, search for Style-ish. Give it a listen. Give it a follow. We are an independent media company and we would be so, so grateful for all your support. That's all for me, guys. Check out Stylish and have a good one.